Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thirty-one to seventeen. Seventy-nine to seventy-three. Seventy-one to sixty-five. Eleven to one. Four to three. 13 to 10 and 8 to 7. What do these numbers all have in common? John, do you know? There would be Ole Miss winning scores over the, the Bulldogs of the school beneath us. Uh, you're absolutely right, John. Welcome to a special Super Sweep edition of Land Sharks After Dark on Rebel Sports Radio. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Justin Sanders, joined by my co host, John Stefanjic. And uh, as you just heard, those were the scores from the seven contests that Ole Miss and Mississippi State played this season in the big three men's sports. Of course, Ole Miss got a win in Oxford in the Egg Bowl, uh, a couple of wins in basketball because we all know Mississippi State was pretty atrocious last year. Um, the big win in the Governor's Cup we talked about last week, uh, and then swept a series this week in Oxford, pretty impressive. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. We'll talk all about the baseball series as well as some updates on Ole Miss basketball and some general sports topics. But first, you know, I want to tell you that we're recording this in the uh, Rebel Sports Radio studio powered by Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Mississippi. I do not have a spring cleaning ad for you this week. I know you're disappointed. Um, so just try to eat healthier and uh, I'll try to get some more content for you uh, about Living Blue. I know you all are very interested in those, really enjoyed those promotions so far. Uh, as I mentioned, Ole Miss hosts Mississippi State this weekend, SEC series. Um, you know, as we talked about, the Rebels have been hovering around 500 all year. Really needed to stack up some wins here at the end to feel good about their record heading into Hoover for the SEC tournament. Uh, and they got three big ones this weekend. First game was a bit of a pitcher's duel. Uh, Errol Robinson was kind of the hero for Ole Miss. Couple doubles, three RBI, I think, out of the four total that Ole Miss scored. Um, Defensive battle, uh, outlasted Mississippi State, got some good pitching down the stretch, uh, especially from Wyatt Short, who was came up, came up big all weekend. Uh, he got two saves in the first two games, then he actually got the win in Game 3. He was named SEC Co-Pitcher of the Week earlier today. So a uh, huge performance out of Wyatt. Pretty good pitching all around um, in that game, maybe not so much in Game 2. Ole Miss jumped out to an early lead in that one, had a huge first inning, scored six runs, uh, big Three-run homer for Sykes. A couple other guys getting some big hits there. I think J.B. Woodman also hit a solo home run in that inning. Um, not as much on the good pitching side for Ole Miss. Brady Bramlett's kind of got knocked around a bit lately, and he gave up several runs in that game, too, on Friday night. Ole Miss ended up giving up 10 overall. Got up big. Um, I can't remember. I think they scored 13 through five or six innings, and then just kind of had to hold on down the stretch. Um, through a few guys, I think Bab and Robeson both got battered on a little bit. Uh, Wagsback came in, got some good relief, uh, and then as I mentioned, short closed it out to get that thirteen to ten win. So that that locked up the series. Um, you know, Ole Miss fans went into the the Saturday game, game three, hoping for a sweep, but it was hard to be optimistic, John, because Ole Miss hadn't had a sweep on the season. They didn't sweep Wright State. Um, 
didn't sweep some other lesser opponents, so it's hard to think that they were going to get a home sweep against their their biggest rival. And through uh, through eight innings, that's pretty much the story. Mississippi State was up seven to two going into the ninth inning. They had added on a couple insurance runs in the eighth, and it looked like Ole Miss was going to peter out again in a game three. Um, Weathersby was was decent uh, within the start, but he wasn't nearly as dominant as he was against Mississippi State and Pearl. Um, I definitely think that uh, that that they weren't trying to get beaten by by Scott stuff again. So they came out swinging the bat, got on base a lot. Um, but something big happened in the ninth inning, a pretty crazy comeback. Uh, John, I know that you were watching, and then you weren't watching. Why don't you tell us what it was like for you during that game three? Yeah, so the the only part of this wonderful series I caught, actually, was able to sit down and watch part of the whole weekend, was the first three innings of the Saturday game, which they managed to fall behind 5 nothing. So I'm thinking, okay, they got two out of three, go go win in Jonesboro tomorrow, go take a game from A&M, they'll, they'll, beat, they'll squeak their way in the tournament. And then phone blows up when the comeback's happening. And so spent a, I was at, at a social function, spent a few minutes on Twitter to re- recognize what had happened, which I thought was hilarious. But it was really, I've been kind of waiting for this team here. I mean, they've done the bare minimum the past two or three weeks to stay on this path to get to two games over 500, the 29 and 27 mark like we've been talking about. And they finally, with this sweep, they were able to really kind of exceed the, the blueprint, if you will, and get a game ahead to where now they can go try to take a game from, or win, go win a game they should in Jonesboro tomorrow. I believe Mitchell Babb starting. You're, you're, uh, you're boy, so they should be in, Hopefully he can go out there and execute. I like Bab, yeah. He's, he's all right. He's looked he's looked yeah. not too great lately, but they got to have that win tomorrow. So obviously Mike knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, they'll have resources. They do have an extra day off between games instead of having the Thursday through Sunday series against State. Yeah. And then uh, just need to really – I mean, they don't – I don't think they have to win a game against A&M at that point to – to uh to get a spot in the tournament, they'd probably be on the good side of the bowl. But I think winning a game against A&M would be good for for psyche and get you to fifteen and fifteen in the league. Which is a huge. And I mean, fifteen and fifteen in the league after there is no after the way. series that we had, right? That's, yeah, there, no one expected that at all. It'd be. I mean, this is really one of the better coaching jobs Banco's done, given the injuries he's had to the pitching staff and just the the amount of youth on offense. They've really have slowly started to hit the ball better, and they really they. I mean, their offense carried them to a win on Friday night. And Saturday, they found a way to rally in the ninth inning. Then Nick Perkins with the walk-off in the 10th. So, Yeah, so basically, I mean, okay, here's my theory on it. Mississippi State is almost aggressively bad at this point. Like, losing despite having a 7-2 to lead with two outs in the ninth inning and even two strikes uh, against Kyle Watson at one point, it's just insane. Like, I'm starting to think that maybe Cohen, like, owes someone in Hoover money or something, and he doesn't want to go to the SEC tournament. Like, he... He has some sort of a reasoning for it. Um, either that or his players just really don't like him at all and have totally stopped playing for him because the way they played that ninth inning, and the tenth too, I know you said you weren't watching, but um, they really seemed like after Ole Miss had, had tied it up and took it to extra innings, they just wanted to get out of there, man. They were not that interested in winning that game. Uh, did nothing at all against Wyatt Short when they were at bat. And then... Um, after walking off tonight, I really thought they just gave up. They moved him over on a sack bump from JB, uh, wild pitch, moved him to third, uh, and and then they did some really weird stuff with Nick Perkins. So you weren't watching, too. I not have seen they. So first base was open, uh, runner on third, one out because of the bunt, and initially they start intentionally walking Nick Perkins. 
um, and then Cohen changes his mind, and they decide to pitch to him, and he gets the single, and it's it's a walk-off. Uh, just, just really strange. I mean, Cohen's known for unconventional coaching moves. I mean, I think he had a different lineup for like 100 games in a row. He's he's kind of the guy that intentionally throws the book out of the window uh, when it comes to traditional baseball rules. Uh, and you got to think that that's coming back to bite him right now. I, I don't know. I think it's hard for your players uh, when they, they don't know if they're going to be in the starting lineup day to day. They don't feel comfortable um, having a bad plate appearance and, and knowing they're, they're going to be given another chance. I, I just think the psyche of that team is totally shot. They had a lot of bad body language, some attitude problems. For me, I think that the moment of the game came when uh, Gavin Collins, the catcher from Mississippi State, tried to show the up-up a little bit, which is something that, in my opinion, their players tend to do a pretty good amount. Um, there were two strikes, and there was a ball right below Kyle Watson's knees, and uh, obviously not a strike because the umpire didn't call it. But Collins decided to start walking out towards, run out towards the towards the mound, you know, a little victorious, and have to come back, show up the umpire, um, and then after that, Ole Miss scored you know, six runs in the next two innings and won the game. So really wild one there, um, crazy comeback. And as I mentioned in the in the open, that completes the super sweep of the Big Three for the first time since 1972. Um, something that I don't think Mississippi State has ever done, um, if I am to believe what I read on the internet. Um, I mean, obviously, these three sports aren't really that related to each other, but it is fun uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan, especially one living in Mississippi that kind of takes it from Mississippi State fans on a regular basis. It's it's fun to be able to get a complete sweep like this. Uh, I don't really see it happening again anytime soon. I think Mississippi State's going to be a lot better in basketball, um, and obviously they're going to be good in football next year, and Ole Miss has to play them in Starkville. Not so sure about their baseball team, though, John. I don't have too much faith in Cohen. Uh, he he has that College World Series run, but that's about it on his resume at Mississippi State. He was obviously very successful at Kentucky. Uh, but if he doesn't have a winning season next season, I don't see how they could keep him in Starkville. Yeah, I, although, I mean, it sound, from my understanding, I mean, I totally agree. This has been a terrible I mean, they start off the year 13-0 and or something to that effect. Right, They're right. one of the last undefeated teams. I think A&M went the longest with 20 wins to start off the season. But... They were, I mean, they were, I mean, they were touting it too. Like, oh, look, we're undefeated, and now they've completely fallen apart down the stretch here in conference play. I mean, they're, I mean, they went from thirteen and zero to twenty four and twenty seven overall, and eight and nineteen in the league, the uh, worst record in the SEC heading into the final weekend. So, it has been a disappointing season to say the least down in us. Uh, Stark Vegas. I was going to try to find an adjective there, but we'll just let we'll let our listeners insert the one they desire, but. I mean that is that is not good, and they finish up the season. I am blanking on who they play. But they, play Ten- they play Tennessee. Um, so oh. it's, it's, yeah, it's two teams fighting for a spot in the SEC tournament. Basically, uh, go ahead, pull up the standings, John. I'll let you talk about that in a second. Um, something important from the weekend. If you're an Ole Miss fan, Connor Cloyd came out of game two with an injury, um, strained oblique, according to Coach Bianco. Uh, obviously a pretty tough injury for a baseball player since everything you do, you're throwing, you're uh, catching, you're hitting, you're running, all um, puts a strain on your core there. Uh, we obviously saw how abdominal issues can affect players the last year with Sam Smith and his sports hernia. Um, pretty damaging to your lineup just because Cloyd's been so hot the last 25 games. Uh, he was a starting left fielder. Obviously Kyle Watson is very athletic, really good in left field, but his bat has been... Much colder than Connor Cloyd's. I think Cloyd's hitting 400 right now. Um, Kyle Watson more like 225. 
So that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Obviously, you hope Watson can get back to the way he was hitting early on in the season. Um, I have no doubt he's going to be a great player in his career at Ole Miss. But, you know, it's tough for freshmen to be called on so much. I'm going to be interested to see what they do with that leadoff spot, John, because Errol took it over for Game 3. Um, he's had some success there, but he's also struggled there a good bit earlier in the season when he was playing the 1-2 and two hole a lot more often. Um, he seemed really comfortable behind Sykes Orvis, kind of giving him a little protection. He's looked pretty good lately as a contact hitter. Um, I mean, who would you put in the leadoff spot, John? I mean, Golson's someone you have to consider, although, you know, I really like him in that three hole before Bortles. I just don't know. Errol's not a leadoff hitter in my mind. I, I'd leave him behind Sykes. I'd he's, not, he's not really a plus base runner. No, I'd throw Woodman in the leadoff spot, honestly. I mean, in yeah. part just because who I mean I don't want to put Golson there I like him having him at least the two or three hole I mean the the Golson Bortles Sykes Errol sequence seems to be somewhat effective in tag actually they they put Knight in the five hole too Knight has stepped up Austin Knight's had a good yeah. run here down the last stretch of the month and those legs yeah it's really good situationally so I, I think JB you put JB up there so do you move um, do you move everybody up do you go Woodman Golson Bortles Orvis Knight Robinson is that your yeah, first six I think so yeah and then and then you have um, Kyle Watson your DH and then Cam Deshaun something like that or maybe you flip you DH behind Robinson Kyle Watson Cam Deshaun something like that. Yeah, Watson will be somewhere in the eight or nine hole. Right, probably DH and Dick Perkins. He's been really good lately. He had a great weekend. Uh, he had a triple in one of the first two games. It was really good. A couple other balls called at the warning track. So that kid's going to have a great career. Um, maybe next Sykes Orvis power-wise, something like that. We'll see. Um, yeah, if it'll be good to see. I, I mean, I guess the question is, too, for as far as the last Ole Miss topic concerned, is would, I mean, Bramlich has shown signs of fatigue yeah. the past couple weeks. Yeah, let's, talk about, you, let's talk about that. Given that they uh, – let's give them the win tomorrow against Arkansas State for the dis- purpose of this discussion. So they get to 29. They're uh, they're guaranteed a winning record. So the NCAA eligibility question is uh, requirement is satisfied. And there's no way they're getting left out at 15-15 or even, in my opinion, 14-16. Even if A&M sweeps them, yeah, they're still, I I mean, they're they're still they have enough top 50 wins where they'll be in. The strength of schedule will not be hurt by a, playing A&M. And RPI holding steady at 33 right now. Yeah, so, but I think that most likely, even if they didn't pitch Bram, but they probably find a way, they probably take a game from A&M. And A&M's kind of been, I mean, they've been good, not great the past few weekends. So there's a, I mean, South, South Carolina went to College Station, took two out of three. But regardless, the question with Bramlett's velocity is down a little bit. I, there's no way he pitches in Hoover, and we've already discussed right, right, the right. fact Absolutely. that, well, well, I, well, the whole Hoover record thing is actually a mute. If they win Tuesday, it's a, it's a mute point, but they should, compl- they should, I, I mean, they should not win that game. They should lose one and get out of there and get every, let everybody, especially from a pitching standpoint, rest up. I personally, presuming you win tomorrow, I would not pitch. Well, I think I think if I'm you leaning win, towards I would pitch him. If you win Friday night, don't pitch him. I completely agree with that. If you lose, Thursday night, give us a Thursday through Saturday. Oh, it's another, another Thursday. Yeah, it's one of those. Playing yeah. a lot of those. Well, that's okay because that that'll be the cycle of pitches. Yeah, right. the whole the whole league actually do, does that this week because Hoover starts on Tuesday, right, so they want okay. to give everybody two days between um, okay. their last game and Hoover. So. so you, if you win Thursday, you definitely rest 
Bramlett. I, if you lose Thursday, I don't know. I can go both ways because you really do want to get a game. 15-15 and 15 is a pretty great SEC record after the bumpiness of the non-conference schedule. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I do think they'll take it. They'll find a way to take a game. Ole Miss hasn't been swept by anyone this season. Uh, and they've certainly played some some top teams, some teams as good as A&M, if not better. Uh, A&M's lost, what, three of the last four series, John? They lost a series to LSU, a series to Arkansas, and someone else. Uh, South Carolina. That's I, right. I have their That's schedule right. up here. That's they right. lost two out of three to Arky, and then they lost two out of three in Baton Rouge. I, I'm not going to get on them for that by any stretch. No, no, they, went, no, no, no. they went and swept Tennessee and Knoxville, what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then losing two out of three against Carolina. They probably, I mean, that's really, I mean, I mean, you're not going to win every series. I mean, realistically, they probably shouldn't have lost two out of three against Carolina, but I. Like that's getting over nitpicked. Of course, and South Carolina is really fighting right now to, to yeah, make the tournament. Yeah, they are at all. scrambling to try to get in. And A and M, I mean A and M is kind of getting nitpicked because their RPI is eight. They're right on the national seed bubble. When you look at the SEC standings, I guess we'll transition to that now. LSU leads at nineteen and seven conference record, number five RPI, forty three and eight in overall. They're a, they're a national seed lock. I'm not sure. I don't have their last yeah. series in front of me, but they'll barring. I mean, they they could even lose two out of three, and they'll still. There'll be a national seed, barring some really poor finish. Vanderbilt leads the East at 18-9, 36-16 overall on a 14 RPI. That's probably a host record, not a uh, not a national seed, although depending on who they – I don't have everybody's schedule up. i got in front think, of me. I'm trying to think who Vandy finishes with. Yeah, yeah. that was – because down the stretch – A&M, LSU, Vanderbilt, Florida were all fighting for national seeds. It looks like um, – LSU could be the only national seed in the SEC. I think they get two. Um, well, then I think I think A and M gets a national seed if they take two and three. Florida, or sweep Florida, Florida took two out of three from Vandy. From Vandy, yeah. This weekend, so I think Florida that bumps Florida ahead what's of their. Vandy. What's their record? What's their RPI? Seventeen ten conference, thirty eight and fourteen overall, seven RPI. So okay, Florida, so yeah, Florida could get one. And that Florida has eleven wins over the top fifty, so they that it's them A and M and LSU really. I think LSU's got. I think it's an A and M versus Florida discussion for the second national. Yeah, and yeah they, I, they, I they could all three get it, but I doubt it. Given the way the committee functions, they want to quote unquote grow the game and they'll give some random. Still, let me let me pull up the the RPI here. Um, there were kind of some some weird. Yeah, so Dallas Baptist sort of. So are there going to be a national seed, Dallas Baptist? I get. I mean, they've been number one in the in the RPI all. They season. have the RPI, so I just don't know. I just don't know how that works. I don't have that in front of me because you got to assume that the schedule is pretty negligible. Yep. Um. Yeah, I'm looking at RPI now too. If they have enough wins, I mean, Louisiana Lafayette last year. I mean, they could be that. You know, since, yeah. Since play that so role some in. some Ole Miss flavor in the RPI. You got one win over number five LSU, two over number seven Florida. One over number nine Louisville, uh, two over number fourteen Vanderbilt, um, and then it goes a second before any opponents. One over number twenty nine Auburn, Ole Miss at number thirty three. Um, that's mostly it. People we've actually played. Obviously A and M sitting at number eight. Arkansas has fallen all the way to number fifty with Alabama at number forty nine. So that's kind of a that's kind of a surprising fall for Arkansas. They're gonna make the tournament, right? I mean they're a pretty good team. I think 
They will. I mean, it, I mean, they'll get the benefit of the doubt. Let's see. Yeah, there are thirty and 19, 15 SEC wins, and they have actually finally have the league schedule up here. They go to Georgia this weekend. They, they'll they'll win one minimum, probably two. They'll put them at sixteen or seventeen league wins, even with the RPI not so great. That's in the tournament. So they'll be a, they'll be a two seed somewhere. Okay, that's a, that's what I figured. Um. So yeah, why don't you update us on who's going to miss Hoover? Let's see. Well, state. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think if they sweep Tennessee this state weekend. Tennessee. Question is, how does Georgia do against? Uh, I just said it too. Yeah, against Arkansas, that could be. Yeah. I mean, if Georgia wins two out of three at home, then they could potentially keep both of them, both Tennessee and well, I State. Think, I, and I think if Arkansas was to lose this weekend, uh, and something else that maybe Kentucky loses, uh, Ole Miss yeah. could actually end up with a bye in Hoover. That would be <laughs> this team got a buy. That Which I would, would just be dumb. I don't even think Mike Bianco would want that buy because then you go straight to the double elimination and you got two. Well, right we we can throw. Yeah, that is tr- that is true actually. Although, although well, if Ole Miss was going to get up to the buy, they would just presumably take one or two against A and M. So right, right. So it would would, be, that would absolutely would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ole Miss would have to take two. It I would think. in that scenario. Miss. Ole Miss would have to take two or three. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it would it would work out regardless. But yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, Hoover is mostly irrelevant unless, unless for a team like South Carolina, like right, he's going to be trying to get wins, yeah, get wins, everything, and and national seed like like A and M on a national seed bubble going to Hoover and losing two, going zero and two would not be good. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, so what do you think about pitching rotation if Bramlett continues to struggle in in the NCAA regional? Do you leave him in the game two spot? Yeah, I have, a, I have a friend who thinks you should move Weathersby up, which I don't know. I don't know about messing with that this late in the season. Yeah, you, you, the way Mike used Weathersby or is, has a flexibility of bringing Weathersby into like a to pitch an inning of, a, of an opening game. Right, you don't want to you don't want to pitch him in game one or two. I, is what you're saying. He, he's the game. He's the he's a flex option out of the bullpen for game one, and he's a game three starter. And by starter, he's going to go try to give you four or five innings, most likely, depending on the situation, and then. Turn it over from there. I mean, yeah. it will be interesting. That, that's the strategy, really. I mean, Ole, I mean, Ole Miss's regional strategy is get is Trenton Bramlett go beat somebody, and then and the just, bats. I mean, you got to figure gotta out game, and then then you would have to figure out a way to win the third game. But I mean, at that point, it's just a, it's just one game, so who knows what happens? I mean, if they get the right draw and get hot offensively, who knows what happens? But yeah, I can't. I'll be interested to see. Uh, presuming Ole Miss finishes up and gets in the tournament here. It'd be interesting to look at that bracket and see kind of certain possibilities there. Um, so yeah, I'd say the big thing to watch for for Ole Miss is can Connor Cloy come back this season? Um, you know, obviously Ole Miss needs that uh, if they want to jumpstart that offense again. He's been a revelation in that leadoff spot. Um, as John mentioned, I think Ole Miss is on the road tomorrow night at Arkansas State. Probably not a stream or anything like that available. Um, radio likely will be your best option for that one. Um, I'm guessing first pitch is something like six or seven. I think it's an, a nighttime game. I don't think it's a day game. Yeah, I think it's six thirty, six thirty, and then but I yeah. had it, and then um. One thirty for the AM series, and Arkansas State's at six thirty. So three six thirty first pitch is Central Time, and then one thirty on on a Saturday. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think John mentioned this also. If you win that game tomorrow night, you guarantee uh, a winning record no matter what happens in Hoover. So that's definitely going to be a big one for Ole Miss. It's a game you really can't afford to lose either because you get swept by A&M and you lose that game and you're in trouble again, aren't you? What's, yeah. our, what's the number right now? Uh, what's the overall? Uh, 29, 25? 29, 27 is the objective. I think they're 28 and 24 right now. 28, they need, 24, need, so yeah. I mean, they, need, they need to win tomorrow night. So if they were to lose out, you end up 28, 28, and you got to go win a game in Hoover. Yeah. Right? Let's see, if you win one, no, you got to win two games, right? Because you're going to lose two if you win one. So, so if Ole Miss yeah. was to lose out, they'd have to win two games in Hoover, which definitely don't want to be in that situation. So big yeah. swing game tomorrow night to really put them out of uh, any kind of hot water with the 500 record. Um, exactly. Okay, well, you got anything else you want to talk about with baseball, John? That's kind of the Ole Miss landscape for right now. Big super sweep. Enjoy it. Uh, state's not going to Hoover probably. So it's a good good weekend, good weekend of sweeps. I was out there uh, in right field for the first two games. I had to come back on Saturday and watch that one on TV. Uh, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun for sure. Uh, funny story in the first game on Thursday night. Obviously there weren't any home runs, uh, no beer showers, the right field crowd. But I had a feeling that there might be some in the next game, and uh, but I, I didn't know there were going to be two in the first inning. And my friend who I was out there standing with, I don't know what he was thinking. He threw the first one, and then he poured a whole beer and another batter and then threw another one. I'm like, what are you doing, man? We didn't bring that many beers. Like, you can throw the first one okay. But no, you're not supposed to throw the second one in the same inning, man. Like, come on. Anyway, you're never supposed to throw a full beer. You pour your beer at the top of the inning. You drink it down halfway before you come up to bat. And then you sip on it until the power hitters come up. That way... You know, if someone like Sykes or Colby's at the plate, you only have like three or four sips left anyway. And, you know, that's just the strategy. You know, if you go out and watch a lot of Ole Miss baseball games in right field, you got to know this stuff. Don't make a rookie mistake. Don't throw two beers in one inning. But uh, you got to love the two home runs in one inning. I don't know. That might not just be. That may be just a lack of preparation. Now, now I do have a question though. So they, I, the rules for right field this year, they mentioned the twenty quart cooler no, size. No, they don't care. They, they, don't, they don't care about cooler size. Well, they, buy more. Then buy more natty. I mean, nah, come on, John. I'm an adult. I have a job. I don't. Uh, I don't drink true. natural light. I do not drink Keystone. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'll drink it if it's all you got. But the the sight of the can alone gives me like Vietnam style flashbacks. Yeah, freshman, freshman year like, of college. It's like wow, we did that. Yeah, we did. We did that a lot. Not just a little bit. My favorite when it gets warm is like you'll get a twelve pack of lime Maritas and then you're just gone. And you had this. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and then you you have a sugar sugar crash and you pass out. But no, have you had the uh, the Oculto, the this the new beer with the skull on it? It's like it says brew with tequila staves or something. No, it's I have really, not. It's really good. It tastes like it tastes like Bud Light Lime. Um, so you should try that out. Um, oh, really, hint of tequila. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, Oculto. it doesn't sound like it fits the craft beer scene up here in Cambridge. So no, it's, no, no. It's 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 not really a craft beer. More of a not a hot, beer. hot weather beer. No, absolutely. All right, well, um, we're going to pause real briefly here, and when we come back, we are going to discuss Andy Kennedy getting a contract extension through 2019, um, as well as a transfer that just committed to Ole Miss today. So stick with us. Get your game on, get your, get your game on. Get your game on, get your, get your game on. Welcome to Mississippi 511. 
You guys ready for the game? MDOT Traffic says it's all clear. Well, let's go. Check MDOT Traffic before every game on the website, the smartphone app, or just dial 511. Wait a minute. Have you got the tickets? This is Dr. Stephen Cochis, and I want to talk to you about performance rehab. When you're injured playing sports or on the job, your goals should be quicker recovery times and better performance. Standard physical therapy can get you to your goal, but performance rehab goes one step further. How? Many doctors like myself are discovering the enormous benefits of aquatic therapy. All four locations of Performance Rehab offer the Aquagator Underwater Treadmill System, the most advanced, state-of-the-art aquatic therapy program in the state of Mississippi. As a physician, I think you deserve the best, don't you? So when your doctor suggests physical therapy, tell them you want Performance Rehab. Visit their locations in Ridgeland, Byram, Richland, or the Reservoir, or call 601-899-0002 for an appointment. Workman's Comp is accepted. Performance Rehab, the way physical therapy was meant to be. What does it mean to be healthy, to reach new heights, to find joy in the adventure? Now's the time to know you have a partner on your journey. The compassion of a cross, the security of a shield that opens doors to a healthier life, giving you the strength to live. Like anything is possible. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. Woohoo! I say, sports fans. Ole Miss fans, you wouldn't want your team playing with outdated equipment. We don't want you to use an outdated app. Our new app has more features, more content, and an easier interface to keep you connected to your team. Go to the iTunes Store now and download the latest version of Rebel Sports Radio. Rebel Sports Radio has done the work. You prepare to play. And we are back. So as I mentioned right before the break, uh, this week Ole Miss renegotiated and extended Andy Kennedy's contract for the state-allowed maximum of four years. So that's through 2019. Um, his base salary will be $1.925 million. Um, and also lots of incentives and stuff like that. Uh, I think it might go up each year as well, but this article I'm looking at doesn't have it. But they do have some stats about Andy Kennedy. Obviously, two of the last three NCAA tournaments, he has won a game in those tournaments as well. Um, averaged over 21 wins in his first nine seasons. Uh, 321-plus win seasons uh, in Ole Miss history before his arrival. Obviously, some of that, John, is due to changes in scheduling and stuff like that. Uh, but he's still the winningest coach in Ole Miss history. He's still gone to the last two or three tournaments. But it seems like not everyone in the fan base is on board with this move. So what if, what did you see this week when Andy Kennedy uh, was extended? Well, first and foremost, I mean, it's a strong statement by Bjork coming out and effectively saying, look, Andy's our coach. He's been in the NCAA tournament two out of the past three years. He's the winningest coach in Ole Miss history. He stuck it out through thick and thin, playing in the tad pad. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. It's a it is a subpar facility to say the least. Oh god, P- yeah. particularly compared to what he's competing against in the rest of the conference. And in general, I mean, I, I mean, I'd say the average Ole Miss fan, the priority is football and probably baseball. Honestly, given the given the luxury, given how nice Swayze is and the the amount of attention on the 
the fact they've been good for about under whole time we're being and then tr- trying to get to the whole get, get over the hurdle Omaha dynamic that's finally got played out last uh, and fulfilled last year. So mm-hmm. AK has always kind of been third fiddle, but everybody expects him. But everybody expects him to compete with everyone else. But they don't. I mean, the financial commitment that that the university, the previous administration, and then fan. I mean, that fans for the most part have have made or the lack thereof has has kind of. He's he's been able to overcome that and put to, put together a competitive product. And I mean. It's definitely first the way they've designed the pavilion next to the football stadium, and they'll have it have it be accessible to to campus for students to use it during the week. Obviously, makes a lot of sense. But then for as a recruiting tool for basketball, I mean, there's no real comparison. I mean, I mean the fact that they didn't take recruits to the tad pad and show them the building they would play in on visits previously. Just, I mean, I don't know. I mean. That li- that limits you so much as far as because I mean if you're a if you're a top prospect and you come to campus and they won't even show you the building I mean what would motivate you to go play for that play at that school absolutely so I mean it's it's a big I mean I don't think people appreciate the difficulties that a- that the that AK has faced and yet he's made them competitive despite of them never had a losing season never had just a just a flop year it's always it's always been in the bubble discussion which is really a com- really a compliment and not a detriment given the he always had to work with. Now, I mean, there's been now. I mean, it, it's interesting enough. They're opening this right around the time that we've had, that Malik Newman's come through, and he's he's ended up at state. So now, now the criticism is on a is on AK for not landing a, a top Mississippi prospect. But the reality is, is that you look at state basically fired a coach to go get to go get Newman. They did it hired a coach with strong connections with Adidas. So they're playing the shoe game effectively. And which is a compliment. I'm, I'm giving state credit for this. They made the decision commitment. And furthermore, Horatio Webster, Newman's guardian, was also a state graduate, which that has some impact on it. It's not. It's not fair to AK to criticize him for the one one uh, lottery pick that's come through during his time that happened to have his gar- his primary guardian go to Mississippi State. That's right, really right. not fair at all. So. I personally, I think, I mean, I've always enjoyed watching AK in postgame interviews. It's very clear that he's a, he's an above average X and O's coach. He's a very cerebral individual, but he walks to, he kind of walked to his own beat. He's not part of the, of the typical Ole Miss posse, if you will. And I think that, I think that plays as, as much into people kind of like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't quote unquote embrace it the way you see. You know, kind of some other people. Well, I, I shouldn't say he doesn't embrace the way people perceive him and his involvement to, with traditional uh, organ with tr- I guess traditional Columbus coaches and organizations, whatnot. Where Freeze kind of bounces back and forth. He he does his own thing, but he but he goes and takes care I of. Mean, a, I mean, I, I do but, agree with you that AK yeah. is a great basketball coach, super intelligent. Yeah. But it's it's easy to see how some fans can get a little miffed. I mean. He doesn't do things that you would expect to see from Hugh Freeze or um, Mike Bianco. Like, for instance, Thursday, I uh, went to the square before the baseball game, pre-gaming a little bit, uh, and AK's at Funky's. He looks a little drunk already celebrating that contract extension. And I gave him the fist bump. I said, way to go, coach, for pulling for you. Because I am. I mean, I, I love AK. I want him to succeed. And uh, that's, not something that, that's not something that bothers me. Um, I think the square is... Oxford's greatest asset apart from Ole Miss, and uh, I'm glad that our coaches can recognize that. But I definitely see some uh, Sunday school types, maybe some older Ole Miss uh, supporters 
that don't feel exactly the same way about the square as, as we recently removed undergrads do, um, kind of being a little turned off by that. And, I mean, I think if he keeps winning, obviously, it's not going to matter. That's the message Ross Bjork is sending, is that uh, results come first, and that's what's really important. Yep, and I mean, the bottom line is AK's attitude is, well, I'll go produce a, a product, and really he's overachieved given the resources available to him, and I'll go, and then he'll, I'll go, he'll go do his own thing. He doesn't quite fit the, fit the image I think some people have of a head coach at, at right. Ole Miss, but right. that shouldn't that just shouldn't like change. his suits don't really fit him. It's the same idea. Well, I mean, we're that tall and lanky. You're not gonna, I mean, that's it's a, that's kind of a difficult. But I've seen him, John. I've seen him yeah. in, in suits that fit him. They exist. <laughs> He owns those suits. He just also owns gray burlap sacks that he sometimes wears on the <laughs> sidelines, apparently. But sorry, go uh, with your point. I mean, oh, uh, jeez, no, you're good. I mean, I, 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 part of me, I'm really be curious to see how AK performs with the arena. And Ross has made it clear with this contract that AK is going to be there for. He's going to get plenty of opportunity to. I don't even know what what he's trying to prove at this point. He will. He was given this uh, the comfort and security of knowing that he will be the coach for the foreseeable future. And it's a recruiting thing as well. To, I mean, if you don't give your coach yeah. the max extension, it's easy yeah. for other schools to tell your commits and your recruits that look, Ole Miss isn't invested in basketball. Um, if you go play for Coach Kennedy, they're going to replace him in a year. Blah blah blah. So, I mean, it's almost just playing the game at this point, too. But I have to take your side on this one, John. I think AK is uh, really more than Ole Miss basketball deserves historically. Um, and obviously, Ross Bjork sees that. Dan Jones sees that. It's just some some of the fans don't always see that. Yeah, but, I mean, I agree. agree. But it'll be interesting. I mean, now. But, I mean, he has, think- to, he has to get better, I think. After the arena is, is in place, that excuse is gone. He needs to get a blue chipper in the next two years. What do you think? I agree. The, his recruit, he, the, he should be able to now, and we'll. And this is, and we, this, I mean, this is, this is a neutral comment from the standpoint of we. Well, now that he's got the facility, it'll be interesting to see how he changes. But instead of putting together ra- a bunch of ragtag transfer rosters, now he will, he will need the key will be to transition to have it be. I mean, transfers are going to be part of college basketball. Don't get me wrong, but he should be able, as you said, to go get. He should land a, a legitimate blue chipper in the next two or three years, I would say. Right, really, next two, because now you have the facility in place, you have the financial commitment. I mean, it's time it, now. Now he's on a level playing field from a facilities and financial commitment standpoint. And the question and how does he respond and handle that will be interesting to follow going forward. I mean, I think he's got the skill set to succeed, but he to see in that in that role with those dynamics in place. But we'll. But at the same time, he does kind of have to, he does have to demonstrate that, which is a very sounds like the idea of making the winningest winningest coach in your program history demonstrate something is kind of ludicrous. But right. what it what it really is, and this is too easy, but I'll do it anyway. It's really an indictment of pe- of the previous administration that simply or administrations that simply neglected basketball facilities for far too long. So mm-hmm. no doubt about that. So, you know, you mentioned transfers and how they are a huge part of Kennedy's program. Um, already has a couple lined up for this season and got another one uh, today from a, a pretty um, a pretty legit prospect, uh, although he will not be eligible to play in 2016. Uh, got to sit out late on that 16-17 season. His name's DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Burnett. Um, he played at Miami as a freshman, kind of a shooting guard, combo guard. Um, he played in 28 games, 
averaged. Sorry, I had it just in front of me a second ago. But, oh, here we go. He played in 28 games. He averaged 17.4 minutes a game, 7 points a game, 2 rebounds a game, uh, 0.6 assists uh, with a 35.6% field goal percentage. Um, some of the, the new, he's, he's also six foot two, 195 pounds um, from Miami Gardens, Florida. Some of the news or talk about him coming out of the program is that he's being groomed to replace Stefan Moody at that shooting guard position after Moody graduates following next season. Um, I mean, it sounds like a pretty big get for Ole Miss. Um, it's escaping me who Ole Miss was competing against, but I don't think that they were um, any programs to scoff at. Along with Sam Finley, the guard, uh, the other transfer that Ole Miss has secured this offseason, he will play next season. He's Ole Miss's starting point guard um, by all indications that we can figure out. Um, but, you know, it's it's his his program's pretty dependent on transfers right now. He hasn't really gotten those high school players that uh, that he can depend on for all four years. Obviously, he's had some. Jarvis Summers, four-year starter. Uh, Snoop White played well for four years. Uh, Murphy, Reggie, some of those guys. But, you know, a lot of the other big figures in the last five years of Ole Miss basketball have been transfers. You know, the Marshall Hendersons, Stephon Moody's. Um, those kind of guys. So look for a couple more transfers. You have to think. Um, they still need more post players, and that might be even a bigger problem if another transfer rumor is confirmed. I don't think anything's been decided to this point, but there's been a ton of buzz around Dwight Colby trying to leave the program um, from Nassau, Bahamas originally. He played at Piney Woods in high school. Um, big center forward. I think he played mostly center for Ole Miss last year. Uh, maybe he didn't come along as much as we would have hoped with his game sophomore year, but still going to be super important to Ole Miss next year. I mean, he's he would have definitely been the starter. I don't really know um, what is going through his head right now. I don't know why he wants to leave Oxford. Maybe this is a way to get leverage, something like that. Um, but it, I, it didn't sound good last week. The rumors are all trending negatively. Call, Dwight tweeted... You know, no decisions have been made. I'm focusing on my finals, et cetera, et cetera. But it sounds like Andy Kennedy's having to do a little recruiting within his program. Yeah, I, I would. Just, from what I've seen, I would assume that he is. I would. I think the safe assumption is that he will transfer. Um, is if I had to put it, I'd say seventy five percent sure that happens. I have no. So who's, your, who's the starting you know center what? next year? That's the question. Yeah, that's going to be. I mean, Saez. You know, my back. source. My source said he was transferring. So. That's the, that's the, that was a few days ago. That's the last thing I heard. Yeah, I don't have I don't. You, I'm sure you have closer connections than I do. It's just from the smoke that I've seen on the internet and whatnot, it appears that he is Colby's leaving. Which, from a from a on the court production opportunity perspective, he, I mean, he certainly would. I don't think that's the issue here. But this is the welcome to the complex nature of college basketball recruiting, which right. is is a beast of as the itself. world turns, you know. Yeah, so, but AK will probably go get a transfer too. We really don't know anything about, and he will come in and be a, pro- a productive player. He'll so. have to. He'll have to. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before the show too, John. It's something that you know, AK does this every year. There seems to be big question marks just about every off season, uh, and somehow he still ends up right there on the bubble. Um, you know, kind of. 20 wins, 21 wins right there. So it's, it's hard to say, looking historically at what he's done, that this season's going to be any different than that. So, you know, maybe expect more of the same. I, I, he'll figure it out. That's the best I can come up with. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'll. We'll. I mean, AK. I'm to the point now with AK. He's done it time and time again. He gets the benefit of the doubt with rosters until it flops. And I think that. Right. I mean, he, he's earned that and deserves it. So I'm. I'm going to ride the the quote unquote AK roller coaster and just say, you know what, we will we will see how this team comes together in December fun, or January when we actually start actually caring about college basketball for right, real. Right, right. So. And people besides me start watching the games. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh that's Ole Miss basketball for you. First season in the arena coming up next year. Uh, the Pavilion at Ole Miss going up they got some some roofing beams across there now maybe a couple months away from starting to put the roof on it so super exciting there um it's really happening for everyone that has been to a game in the tab pad in the last 30 years and thought man this place is is old they need to get rid of this shit all uh they are doing it and it's going to be done next season so very exciting andy kennedy will be the coach deandre burnett will be on the bench dwight colby probably will not uh, that's the way it was this week at Ole Miss Basketball. We're going to pause again, um, and when we come back, we are going to talk about some general sports topics, uh, NBA playoffs going on, um, Tom Brady and some hot water over Deflategate. So stick with us, and we'll be right back. Get your game on. Get your, get your game on. Get your game on. Welcome to Mississippi 511. You guys ready for the game? MDOT Traffic says it's all clear. Well, let's go. Check MDOT Traffic before every game on the website, the smartphone app, or just dial 511. Wait a minute. You got the tickets? This is Dr. Stephen Cochise, and I want to talk to you about performance rehab. When you're injured playing sports or on the job, your goals should be quicker recovery times and better performance. Standard physical therapy can get you to your goal, but performance rehab goes one step further. How? Many doctors like myself are discovering the enormous benefits of aquatic therapy. All four locations of performance rehab offer the Aquagator underwater treadmill system, the most advanced state-of-the-art aquatic therapy program in the state of Mississippi. As a physician, I think you deserve the best, don't you? So when your doctor suggests physical therapy, tell them you want performance rehab. Visit their locations in Ridgeland, Byram, Richland, or the Reservoir, or call 601-899-0002 for an appointment. Workman's Comp is accepted. Performance Rehab, the way physical therapy was meant to be. What does it mean to be healthy, to reach new heights, to find joy in the adventure? Now's the time to know you have a partner on your journey. The compassion of a cross, the security of a shield that opens doors to a healthier life, giving you the strength to live. Like anything is possible. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. Woohoo! I say, sports fans. Ole Miss fans, you wouldn't want your team playing with outdated equipment. We don't want you to use an outdated app. Our new app has more features, more content, and an easier interface to keep you connected to your team. Go to the iTunes Store now and download the latest version of Rebel Sports Radio. Rebel Sports Radio has done the work. You prepare to play. 
And we are back, guys. Before we move on to our topics, you know I gotta talk to you about one of my favorite companies in the world, probably the best website on the internet. Uh, that's right, better than Google, better than Facebook, much better than Twitter. Oh my goodness. And that, of course, is DraftKings.com. We're super excited to be partnering with them here at Vsporto and Rebel Sports Radio. I don't know if you know about DraftKings. If you've listened to this podcast, you've definitely heard me talk about it. But basically, these are one-day fantasy league guys. Whether you like football, basketball, baseball, golf, um, I guess hockey is probably over for the year. I don't know if they have leagues for basketball during the playoffs. I need to get on there and check that out. But obviously, there's going to be a ton of baseball leagues this summer. Uh, some golf, some other stuff. Any other thing they got, you probably got a NASCAR fantasy. I don't even know for you, John. We got to check that out. Oh, they totally, there's plenty of NASCAR fans. There you stuff. go. So, see, John's already on there, guys. You can race against John uh, in your fantasy if you get on DraftKings.com. But these one-day leagues let you get in for as little as $1. There's no season-long commitments. It's not like traditional fantasy, so give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. DraftKings.com. Use our promo code VSPORTO, V-SPORT, letter O, and you get a 100% match deposit bonus up to $600. So uh, this year, DraftKings is dishing out over a billion dollars in prizes. So why don't you start playing and start winning? Speaking of winning, John, uh, some teams are doing just that right now uh, in the NBA playoffs. What four series going on? Uh, the yeah. semis, right? So you got Golden State, Memphis in the West, as well as Rockets it's and Clippers. Clippers, right? And then in the East, you got Bulls, Cavs, and Wizards, Hawks. Hawks, yep. Right? So, yeah. So, update us on what's going on with some of the series. Yeah. So, I mean, for the casual sports fan, the NBA playoffs this past round have really got exciting. Um, yeah, they've been fun. We'll start with the Bulls and Cavs. Derrick Rose hits a bank three-pointers. Time expires Friday night in game three to give them a 2-1 lead. And then LeBron answers with often with a fadeaway off an inbound pass on Sunday afternoon to to, to have a buzzer beater in that. So back to back buzzer beaters in the, the Bulls Cavs series. That one looks like it could go seven games, be exceptionally close and exciting. Yeah. So even if you're not at biggest, and I and I've and I'm I go back and forth with the NBA. Sometimes I get annoyed with how the the amount of officiating inherent with the basketball game, and you see how calls and the whole the whole hack of the whole yeah, hack of bad free throw shooter debate, which we can we can save that for another another time. But I that, like it personally. I like it because something I like the Clippers. I really don't mind are, it, but it does kind of hurt the flow of the game. It I, hurts I the flow of the game, but the Clippers are like nineteen and two when teams have done it against Jordan this season. So I mean, it's it's not really like it's working that well. It's more like both sides are being punished. Jordan's getting punished for not being able to shoot. And the other teams are getting punished for trying this strategy that hasn't really worked. So I think it's an interesting strategical wrinkle in the game. Agree. It is definitely – I really don't have a problem with it. And the Clippers are making everybody pay, which is hilarious. I mean, you look at yeah. – I mean, the way – I didn't – I mean, Blake Griffin's found another level. They, they knocked out the Spurs in the first round. And I mean, they split the first two games in Houston with, with Chris Paul sitting on the bench, and then they've got, they've taken the two in LA. They're up, let's see, they're up three one now, I believe. It is. I mean, they, I think they will play either the Grizzlies or the Warriors here in the finals. And the Grizzlies getting Conley back after who point guard suffers a facial fracture. Sounded like he's going to miss the rest of the postseason. Comes back in game two. Uh, just the third team all year to win win at Golden State, and they come back and win Game Three. So mm-hmm. a big. As we're recording this Monday night, you'll probably hear it. You probably know the result of Game Four tonight. Once yeah, you listen huge, to this, but it is 
I mean, the Grizzlies are staring at the Western Conference Finals if they win tonight. They have really, I mean, Gasol and Randolph inside have thrown the Warriors off their game. They've made Curry look look mediocre at best. So that is, I mean, the Grizzlies have put together put an effort forth. I didn't quite sure they're capable of. I mean, t- Tony Allen is having an all world past has had all world past couple games playing perimeter defense against the Thompson and Curry backcourt. So that will be. Interesting to follow, and then the Wizards, the Wizards and the Hawks, which nobody's paying a ton of attention to. Paul Pierce had a shot, so I think that actually, I think they're tipping off right about now in Game Four. So you'll see know the result of that afterwards. But it'll be interesting to see the. the I mean, the Wizards have a roster if they can put it together where they can make a make a run. So with that being said, I mean it, it's going to be interesting. I think there's. I mean, you could argue there's. I mean, out of the West, you could say Memphis, the Clippers, and Golden State are all title contenders. And then both the Bulls and the Cavs in the East. I mean, I think whoever wins that series makes it to the NBA Finals. Um, yeah, the Hawks, the Wizards, the Hawks are not good. I mean, they're, they're not good a regular team. season, right? They're not going to be able to do this in the playoffs. Exactly. But the point is, is, I mean, there's five teams right there as listed that you could potentially say, you know what, they have a shot at winning it. So it's not, which really has brought a lot of, diversity and excitement in the NBA playoffs. So that's I'm kinda of looking forward to following that as well. And then have that and we'll also have some NHL if you're if anybody happens to be a hockey fan too. I I tend to pick a team in the NHL playoffs this year. Pick the new pick the pick the New York Rangers, kinda of follow them along and see how it progresses. So that's how always many, exciting. how many teams are left in that? I've watched a little bit of playoff hockey. It's really fun. I just I love the the energy of it, but it's hard to keep up with. They're they're in the same round as the NBA. They're like okay. about two games ahead, so they're in the conference. I think they call it the divisional finals. They're in the final, the elite eight, basically. So gotcha. that will be it'll be be interesting to follow how that comes yeah, out for sure. for sure. Rangers play the Capitals in Game Seven on Wednesday night in Madison okay. Square Garden. So that will be that should be exciting. But anyway, I guess Justin, the other thing, another thing we have on the list here, we'll, I guess we'll save Tom Brady for last because we'll we'll end with the cherry on top, but. Quick note on the for anybody that's a golf fan that listens to this. We heard my Masters ran a couple or about a month or so ago, but Ricky Fowler went. And I don't know if you've caught any of this at all. Or yeah, well, the- I've heard. I've heard now what all went down. Um, I, I've been to the players before. Uh, family there in Ponte Vedra, so definitely a tournament that I enjoy. Uh, beautiful course, but it sounds like it was a crazy final round. Fowler apparently was six under was for the tournament six to play then goes birdie birdie par hits a three wood to three feet on the par five 16th knocks it in that's crazy Bur- birdie 17 the famous island green then makes a birdie birdies a difficult 18 so Post birdie ball. birdie par eagle birdie birdie is that right yeah six under the last six holes which wow. is wow which is wild that's crazy so he then goes and sits around the clubhouse for an hour and a half and i thought and i am blanking on the i think it's chris kisner was the guy right. who never won before but he was tied for the lead coming down 18. Sergio Garcia also posted 12 under. Kisner, I thought Kisner had made the 11 foot in regulation in the tournament. Just missed the, on the edge. Regardless, so they went to the first time they've done this three hole aggregate playoff at the players, where they go play 16, 17, and 18 on an aggregate basis. Um, that's one considered the best, one of if not the best finishes in golf. So it was really exciting. And Fowler and Kisner advanced, and then. They went to sudden death on 17. Fowler steps up there and just ropes it. To, ropes it. To, I think it's four feet eight inches and makes the putt. Ended up playing 17, which is a notoriously dangerous hole with the island green. Right. Five, he, he played it. He birdied it five out of the six times he played it. 
including the two playoff holes, which is really quite the performance. I guess there's a there's a uh, anonymous player survey that one of the que- on the PJ Tour about a week or so ago that SI conducted, asking who were the most overrated players on tour, and Fowler and Ian Poulter were the top two guys on the list. Mm-hmm. And so Fowler's like, okay, I'm going to go out and win the biggest non-major tournament. And then I'm sure I don't know if you caught his uh his social media model girlfriend come out and greet him after he won the tournament. But he's that's I think my, that's he, my other job. That's my other job. I think uh I think Fowler's life's okay right now. And he's and he's definitely like he he's been a hot young gun for a while, but you can tell he's he's kind of taking that next step of maturing and comfortable you know, has looks more comfortable in his own skin the past couple of years. Yeah, so I gotta tell I'm you, a Fowler I, fan. He, yeah. he, his hats look slightly less dumb now. He's getting closer <laughs> to wearing normal hats, but he's got a brand and people dress like him. And he, I mean, that gallery was, I mean, they it was really obvious. They were pro Fowler and they also really obvious. They don't like Sergio either, which was really funny. But when you get, when you get the crowd involved in a golf tournament, which is not the most common thing, it's really right. makes it much more interesting. So that was, that was cool to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, and our our last thing we'll talk about today, just right before we got on to record this, the NFL announced their punishments for uh, the New England Patriots and Tom Brady following the the ball-filled deflate gate scandal. Um, Brady's going to miss the first four games of next season. You want to pull their schedule up, John? I'm forgetting which games they were. Nothing, I have it here. Tough. He will miss the showcase kickoff against the Pittsburgh. So, so the defending champions always play that Thursday night to open. Right. Which I just realized that he, he will not be in that. They host Pittsburgh. So that's a, that'll, that's pretty big. That, that's that's probably a pretty loss. Big. Right I mean, there, without, without, miss, without missing a playoff game or a key game in the season, that's a big – Big loss. Um, then week we'll two see at some, see some Sinquez in that maybe. Yeah, week two at Buffalo with Rex Ryan now the head coach of the uh, Bills. Probably okay on that one. And they Buffalo's got the best defensive line in the sport. The defense will play good. We'll They'll see. get a rookie quarterback, but I don't know if they can score under Rex. It's right, exactly. Score. So they, I mean, honestly, you I expect Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh should go in there and win with Roethlisberger. Buffalo, if they're bet, I mean, could know, be could be could be dicey. Point flip game, home game against Jacksonville. That's a key game for them to win, right? I sure. mean, Jacksonville does have a good defensive front, although their first round pick is going to miss this whole season, uh, Dante Fowler. So that's that's a blow to what they were expecting to have up front. Yeah, and I did not know this, but they will play the Cowboys in Dallas on week four. So that's we a loss. If we get a Patriotless Brady. That's so. a pretty good draw for the Cowboys. Good job, Jerry Jones, negotiating that suspension. Yeah, for real. I'm sure he actually he probably had nothing to do with this actually, <laughs> but we know how the uh, National Football League likes their money. So he will return in time to play the Colts in Indianapolis. Will be his first game back. Of so, course, of course. But I thought I thought without without knowing the schedule details, I thought this would be a my guess was a two game suspension and four would probably be about right. I mean that's kind of the standard you do you know you do something we suspend you four games. Um, it is interesting though. I mean I, I wonder if this would have happened if he hadn't been just been straight up just denied it and basically straight lied about it. If he had come out and said yeah we. I mean, if if, if his response to where the balls def- where the balls deflated, Ben, look, we get we have a margin or a window to basically, you know, have the balls specified to what we want them to be at from a performance standpoint. Which it sounds obviously 
terminology here so it can sound kind of silly. But, I mean, if you're a quarterback, I mean, the way you grip the football is obviously imperative to your job. And the league essentially used to control that made everybody use brand-new footballs. And then they basically Brady and Peyton Manning lobbied them to allow them to use uh, footballs they had prepared for the game. And then tell us how the specs. I, there's, there's part of me that thinks that everybody does this to a certain degree and it's not the fact that they it's not the fact they got caught it's the fact that he they were so i think i mean Kraft and the pat and the pats and brady were quite arrogant about how they 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 came across as above the law and i think this is the nfl saying look you can't do this and it sounds like the rest of the league it basically was out to basically prove a point to the pats and be like look i mean it was out to get them because and to be honest the pats probably deserve it i I personally think Kraft's really smug. He, I, I do not like Kraft. <laughs> right, so we haven't even mentioned um, maybe the more damaging part of the punishment, which is lost draft picks. Uh, they're actually losing their first-round pick next year, which is pretty huge, yep. um, and their fourth-round pick in 2017. So that's, I mean, that's that's a lot worse than just a four-game suspension for Brady, in my opinion. I agree. I think that's just a substantial. In the final part, of that we're fined a million dollars. That's that's uh, the part that doesn't doesn't really matter. Change yeah. to him, but regardless, I mean, they will. It'll be really interesting looking at looking at the AFC East now. The Bills have gotten better. Well, they still don't have a quarterback. The Jets have gotten better. Still don't have a quarterback though. And the Dol- the Dolphins potentially have a quarterback with uh, Tannehill. They signed Sue. With Brady missing these four games, which honestly, looking at this, they they lose to Dallas, they lose to Pittsburgh. Let's say they beat Jacksonville. Um, my gut says they lose in Buffalo. To be honest, I think defense gets after them. So they they start the season one and three. When you would definitely say, which if they had Brady, you'd say they win in Buffalo. They beat Jacksonville. They split the Cowboys and the Steelers games. So I mean, that's probably a two game swing. To be honest, yeah. so. That may come and get them. I mean, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Nothing, nothing to scoff at for the the MVP of the Super Bowl. Absolutely. There. Yeah. I mean, it's an opportunity for everybody else in the AFC East, which have been just getting, which have gotten just thumped by Brady and Belichick for the for every year they've been there. I believe with the exception of '02 and then 2008, whatever year that Brady tore his ACL. Every year that Brady's been there since like his second year, they've won the division. So. No doubt. So yeah, yep. that's um. That's what's going on in the the NFL news. There, um, will definitely be interested, interesting to watch next season. I wonder how cheap I can get Brady in our our fan. We do an auction draft, so maybe I'll let him hang around for a while, pick him up as a backup. I'll probably go for Aaron Rodgers again this year, but I don't know. I got to do a lot of soul searching for fantasy, man. I've come second two years in a row. Uh, been right there the whole time, but just not enough juice when the playoffs come around. So I got to figure something out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, the DraftKings draft yeah, maybe strategy. I should, I should practice. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. DraftKings.com. Uh, I get on, do some one day leagues. That'll really get me uh, in the right mindset for my fantasy draft in six months. There you um, go. Probably less than that, actually. How long? Football season is only three and a half months away. About. Uh, yeah, they start late this year too. Yeah, maybe more like four months for everybody like to get going. Fifth or something. I think September's fifth or sixth, the home opener. So yeah, so we're gonna Brady, have a lot of time. Brady's was suspended for quote conduct detrimental to the integrity of the NFL. Now that is an ironic statement of all things, but yeah, that is pretty funny. So 
Yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that uh, could get called on on that charge. Perhaps Roger Goodell being the first in line if we're talking about detrimental content to the league. But we'll save that for another day. Just like we'll save a lot of football talk for this summer. We will be with you. Or John might not be with us for all the summer. He's gonna be traveling a lot. But uh, when he can join us, then I'll be with you uh, talking about football for a couple of months. I'm sure. So until then, we'll leave it. Um, you can follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rebel Sports Radio. Check out the new site, rebelsportsradio.com. Really great mobile interface there. So listen to all your favorite shows. There's some new shows going up as well. Um, so check that out. A lot of stuff going on on RSR and Vsporto in general. Uh, you can follow Land Sharks After Dark on Twitter at Sharks AFTR Dark. Um, Visit our website, LandtrucksAfterDark.com. Once again, we still need to update that, so sorry if anybody's been checking it out and haven't found any new content on there. i got to get on our uh, our webmaster, Sean Ray, and tell him to update some episode pages. If you're listening, Sean, come on, man. You can do better than this. Uh, but that's going to do it for, for this week, guys. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in. And uh, we'll talk to you in a week, preview some SEC baseball tournament in Hoover. Later, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.